Blog Talk Radio. Thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and has not 
made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O saints of him, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endures for a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And my title this morning is Morning Time. It's Morning Time. Somebody needs to know that it's morning time. Whatever you dealt with yesterday, last night, all that is over. It's morning time. It's time to rejoice. It's time to thank God that he's kept you. Oh, it's time to, It's time that we stop carrying things that, that are not permanent and we carry it over into the next day. But we have awakened to a new day, so we have a new day. Have you, have you ever felt like just giving up? No matter what you did or no matter what you said, it didn't always turn out the way you had planned it. There's going to be times in our life where we plan things and we, we have things set the way we want to do them. But not all the time are those plans or those things that we have set going to work in our favor. And then we feel like we have failed, so our immediate impact is to give up and not deal with it anymore. Have you ever just felt like throwing in the towel, saying, you know what, I quit. can't do this thing anymore. This thing is overwhelming. This thing is mind-bearing. This thing is causing me pain and affliction. Every time you turn around, something is broke or you're late or something wrong with something or someone in your life. This is the thing that we deal with. We deal with on a daily basis. There is no way we're going to be able to just step aside and let these things go. Some of these things we have to deal with. If you ever laid in the bed all night long and your problems have gotten so bad that you don't know if you're going to make it through the night, you don't know if you're going to be here the next day when morning comes because we have let these problems, these trials, and these tribulations set something that was meant not to be permanent. We have made it, we have let it become a permanent state. Now we begin to worry if we're going to make it. We've forgotten all about the God that we said. We have now turned our focus to the problem and not the problem solver. The 
a lot of times we are overwhelmed because we don't turn our situations over to God. So they linger on from one day to the next. If this morning, if this morning this is you, I want to talk to you about having unspeakable joy. The world didn't give it to you, and the world couldn't, can't take it away. And when I say that, Lord, help me, Lord. We are letting the world take it away from us. Why? Because claim to be saints of God, disciples of God, doers of his word, hearers of his word, but yet we let the outside influence our decisions. We let the outside speak to our minds. We let Satan enter in and tell us that we're going to fail, that we're not going to make it, and we believe it. I know that there's times that we are that we are in. Sometimes joy is hard to come by. Sometimes it's hard to be happy. Sometimes it's hard to smile. But we have to look at. And I say this all the time. If we would remember His promise, every time you deal with a situation, if you would remember what He promised you, you would have joy. His promise is said, and will leave you, nor forsake you. will be with you. These are the things that he's spoken to his people, and his word is true. It will never come back void. But if you would look back over your life, no matter what's going on, no matter what you're going through, no matter how dark it is, Maybe and realize what God has already done for us. And we would just not go back, pick a pig back, and see where we were. So for now. And we would know I've been going to be where we are now. When we talk about the goodness of the Lord. No matter what we're going through, no matter what doctor tells us, no matter what we don't have money for, no matter what we're dealing with, have unspeakable joy. Because whether we know it or not, God is He's gonna make a way for us. And He's making a way right now. Over find it hard to believe because we can't really see it. So if we can't lay eyes on it, we think that this is the end. But if we could guess, get through the day, get through the night, oh, somebody needs to know, in the morning, it's going to come again because we have a new day. Yeah. Yeah, um, we shouldn't. We should have nothing to be sad about. We should be happy because he has lifted us out of some situations and out of circumstances that we had no business being in. But we were there. 
We were a part of it. He didn't punish us for being there. He helped us out. He came to see about us. Sin can steal our joy because as we sin, it comes with consequence. We have to know that we're going to have to pay for the stuff that we do. Now, it might feel good doing it, but there is a consequence that we must pay for doing it. Do you have a reason to give God praise this morning? Do you have a reason to thank him this morning for waking you up, starting you on your way? Oh, I might have troubles, but the troubles don't have me. I might not be well, but I'm better than I was yesterday. We should be able to give God praise in the midst of any situation. We all know that storms come. But he promised to help us do it. Sometimes we're going to cry and sometimes we're going to laugh. But the next day, he's given us new grace and mercy that we're able to rise and say, Lord, I thank you for being so good to me. Because you didn't have to. You didn't have to be here to see me through these tough parts of my life, but you are. So on this morning, I want to give you praise because you've been so good. The problem with people is that you've got praise. We can sit right there. God has done something good for us, but yet we don't give him praise. We go to church. Almost like it's orchestrated. Like the pastor has to sit there and tell you, oh, I would give him praise. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has been good to you, doesn't matter who's sitting to the right of you, doesn't matter who's sitting to the left of you, doesn't matter who's sitting behind you, in front of you, you should be able to give God praise. But we have become so prideful that we sit there and we don't give them anything. Oh, God has delivered us over and over again. I want to know, do you have a praise this morning? Has he delivered you? What has he delivered you from? Has he delivered you from telling lies? Has he delivered you from alcohol? Has he delivered, what has he delivered you from? The things that God has delivered you from, you don't go back to them. And you give them joy. You obtain joy by going around telling people that God has brought me through a situation. You're the death in a hospital. You've been sick at home. You, you had accident too close for comfort. Yet through, through it all, God delivered you out of the pits of the pain. We sit here, we toy with 
the things that God has delivered us from, but we don't know that it could have been our lives. It could have been the other way around. But yet, we ha- we have no praise to offer him. Some things that we deal with come to destroy our lives. And if we don't, relationship, the companionship with the Lord, we're not going to make it, people. We're not going to make it. Some of us have forgotten where God brought us from. God will deliver us, and as soon as he does, we forget. We forget what we come out. We forget what he's done. We forget where we've been. We think we have arrived. We, we change our walk. First of all, we forget who God is. We have got tripped up on prosperity. Soon as someone talks about giving us money, we're going to be rich. That's the things we want to hear. We don't want to hear that God will save you. God will, God will take you through your storm. We don't want to hear that. The pride of prosperity has caused us to zip up, zip up our lips. We've gotten so proud we God praise. Our money, our money takes the place of our praise. Or oh, I'm helping somebody this morning. The the money that we have, we have we're now using it praise. Too many clothes in our closet cause us to cancel our hand clap. We started out with nothing. Now our closets are overflowing. But yet, so we go this place. We can dress up to go that place. But when we say something about entering the house of the Lord, the first thing we say is, Minister Gray, it is COVID season. I get that it's COVID season, but we find you out at the Walmart. We find you out at the food line. We find you out at the ball game. We find you everywhere. But in the house of the Lord, we have so much food in our cupboard. It satisfies our hunger and our thirst after righteousness. We we don't seem to need anything anymore. We come. We open the cabinets and we see we stop from head to toe. We got food running out this place and that place. But what we're talking about is the food that goes in your spirit. When we open up the Bible and we begin to feed our spirit, we have gotten away from that. Pick the Bible up on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, we place it back down. And by the time next Sunday comes, we have dust all over the cover because we haven't picked it up. So we're not feeding our spiritual body. We're feeding our physical body. So when when things come and and storms come and disappointment comes, we can't handle it. Why? Because we're not, it's just like a bank. If you have money in the bank and you keep going to the bank and you keep drawing it out and you're not, putting anything back in, 
You have nothing to draw from. And a lot of us as Christians, we have nothing to draw from because we're not putting anything in. Remember when we were flat broke, didn't know where our next meal was coming from. Remember when we couldn't pay our bills, but God brought us through. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't have money for your bills, but God gave you an extension? You don't know how they didn't cut the lights off. You didn't know. You don't know how they didn't repossess your car because God He gave you an extension because you were connected to Him. Remember when we didn't have two dimes to rub together? Remember when our bank, we were on our best in the hospital and didn't even know if we were going to get well. The doctor walked in and he said, son, this is all I can do for you. There's nothing more. But as soon as he walked out, Dr. Jesus walked in and he diagnosed you and he healed your body. Oh, this morning, had some joy. Yeah, weeping may endure, but joy is coming in the morning. Remember when we used to wear hand-me-down clothes? God brought us through all of that and more. And now you're wearing Louis Vuitton. You're wearing apple-bottom jeans. You're wearing all these fancy clothes. How did you get it? Because God made a way for you. Oh, you should have some joy this morning. God has brought you through failed marriages broken relationship, a broken childhood, terrible expenses, yet we sit down and don't give him no praise. We sit there like pew sellers. We're looking around to see who's watching us, who's watching our praise. Well, when you go to church, it doesn't matter who watches your praise. It's how much you get up and give God praise. Some of us is giving up on ourselves. We're clutching our lives that you believe for way too long. Somebody told you that you weren't good enough. Years ago when you were growing up, they said you wouldn't make it. They said you weren't good enough. You weren't smart enough. They told you that you would never amount to nothing. But now look at you. You're up. You're doing the thing that God has told you to do. He's in control of your life this morning. Oh, and that's the reason to give God praise. Somebody don't look like what you've been through, and that's the reason to give God praise. These are the things that steal your joy. And God wants to deliver you from the pit of your heartache. So this morning, no matter what you're going through, don't forget to give him praise and to thank him. It's all right if you thank him in the morning for waking you up. It's all right. If you're thanking for traveling mercy, it's already if you're thanking for food on the table, it's already if you're thanking for the clothes on your back. Oh, somebody needs to thank him this morning. Have you ever been in despair and you said you can make it through the night? You may have doubts on Saturday night, but you will have assurance on Sunday morning. Oh, if I could just make it through and I hit the 12 a.m., I know at 12 a.m., 12.01 a.m., new day, on that new day, all the things that I went through on yesterday are gone. Now I have joy where I can start over again. Many of us are going through 
our night season right now. But God knows about them, and he truly cares. Your situation might seem dark right now, but you can hold on through the night. Your joy is coming in the morning. Satan may kick us down, but God will lift us up. Satan may destroy us, but God reminds us. Satan may try to ruin us, but God gives us hope. Satan may give us sorrow, but God will give us soul-saving joy. Even in the midst of darkness, joy comes in the morning. Hold on to the promise of joy, promises of God. Joy is coming. If we would just stay connected and stop being disconnected, our joy is coming. Or oh, somebody needs to understand that the trouble that you were dealing with yesterday, the trouble you were dealing with last year, the trouble you were dealing with last month is not a permanent fix. Your joy, my joy, is coming in the morning. The things that we deal with are only permanent when we make it permanent. If we would just turn it over to the master and let him lead and guide us. See, a lot of times we had problems with Submitting to his will and his way. We have good lip service. Oh, Mr. Greg, what do you mean? It all sounds good when it comes out of our mouth, but when the action comes, we can't seem to grasp the whole of the action part. We begin to let it go. We begin to trust in other things except for the Lord. But this morning he said that he's going to bring you through Whatever you dealt with last night, time to put it aside. This is a new day. It's morning time. When you have joy and you turn your situation over to the Lord, some things that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. Some of the things that used to get you down, used to try to keep you down, you would worry what people thought of you. You would worry what people think of you. These things, soon as you learn that, these things don't affect you the same way they used to anymore. A better person you're going to be. People can't always help you obtain the joy that you need. But when you're, you delight yourself in the word of God, you will receive assurance that everything is going to be all right. As long as you can keep your eyes on the Lord, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you deal with, everything is going to be all right. Somebody needs to say that to themselves this morning that I'm going through, but I know that everything is going to be all right. When you realize that joy comes, the Lord will find ourselves living a better life. In other words, the world didn't give us joy, and the world can't take it away. Oh, somebody this morning needs to realize that the world hasn't given you anything. So the world can't take anything away from you. The joy that you have comes from the Lord. And if you are to make it through, we have to know and believe that whatever we're dealing with is not a permanent fixture that we're going to make it if we keep depending on the Lord. 
Somebody needs to understand this morning that Joy is here this morning. If you would just lift your hands and begin to thank the Lord and tell him, Lord, I thank you this morning for my joy. I thank you that I'm now no more, but I am trouble-free this morning. I've given it all to you. My joy and your joy is only comes from the Lord. I don't care what people say. If we trust in the Lord, if we give God our problems, we're going to make it through. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Pray, pray the plan of salvation. Amen. 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 Let's follow. Right now we come to you, Lord. Asking you, oh Lord, to save somebody, Lord. Father, we we we're not going to take for granted that everybody's saved. We ask right now, Lord, that you would come into their hearts this morning, God. Oh God, that you would deal with them. That you would save us, Lord, in the midst of our trials and our tribulations, God. Oh, Father, we offer you nothing but glory and, and honor this morning. For you are a good God. Oh, God, let your word go out, God, among nations, Lord, that somebody might come this morning asking, what must I do to be saved? Because, Father, we do love you. We do adore you. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, Minister Gray. Truly, we appreciate that word that you've said for us today. May you be blessed and enjoy. Amen. song by Shanna Wilson is called Give Me You. God bless you. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast. I'm your host, Apostle Margie Mercer. We want to thank you for listening to us Monday through Fridays. You can hear us on this radio station. Please tell your friends, your neighbors, tell everyone to tune in from 7 o'clock a.m. to, I mean, 7 o'clock p.m., to 8 o'clock p.m., Monday through Fridays. Again, that's from 7 to 8 p.m. Please call 319-527-6036. Again, that's 319-527-6036, Monday through Fridays. And you can hear us on Sunday mornings from 8.30 a.m. to 10 o'clock. Again, that's 8.30 a.m. to 10 o'clock. We thank you for tuning in with us on this radio station, and we have some awesome speakers. As you heard this morning, we had Minister Michael Gray. Again, that was Minister Michael Gray. 
And we are going to uh, listen to a tape that was done this Thursday by Apostle Alexander Lockamy. Again, that's Apostle Alexander Lockamy. He's with us on Thursday evening. And truly the word was so awesome that we would like to share it with you this morning. God bless you as you get up and go to your house of worship, as you get up and just enjoy the the uh, praises and worship of God, and just be grateful that you are in the land of the living. We've been through so much over the last couple of years with COVID, but we thank God that we're able to breathe his fresh air and that all of this plague is subsiding and that we can fellowship one with another. God bless you again, and let us listen to Apostle Lachemy. Amen. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days. Wonderful, beautiful day, beautiful sunshine. 
Right breezy, but it's wonderful. I wish I had a knife. I could cut a piece of it out and save. Put it in a picture frame. <laughs> I agree with you. I wish I could save some of it, too. It is so beautiful. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. The skies are beautiful and clear. I tell you, we are so blessed. Well, I'm going to move out the way so God can use you. Are you ready, sir? I am. Okay. God bless you. Uh, good evening to our radio fans. It's a privilege and an honor to be able to come to you this afternoon in the name of Jesus uh, to be able to declare the word of God. Uh, many years ago, before I went into the ministry, some month or so before I went into the ministry, and been in it now, over going on over 40-some years, and... And God gave me a dream, and in this dream, there was a mountain, a big old tall mountain, and it was just, it was pit black, it was dark, it was night. It was like in the midnight hour, it was so dark he could not even see. And I was crawling up the mountain, and and it was lightning, and every time God would speak, it was lightning and thunder. And because I had asked the Lord, you know, I need proof, you know, I wanted to know. That God had called me to preach and not some feeling, you know, uh, not some in, no intuition, not something that I thought what God said and God didn't say. Because the Bible says, know your calling and your election sure. So I wanted to make sure that God called me and, and not, you know, you know, and not be misled by some feeling that I had just because I wanted to do it. But somebody else says, I look like a preacher, or I can preach like a preacher, or I act like a preacher, but I wanted God feel. So he gave me that dream to seal that he did call me before I preached my trial sermon. And it lightened in the thunder, and as it lightened in thunder, I saw people all around the mountain, looked like there was hundreds of people, thousands of people. It was all up and down the mountain, some low, some middle, some near the top. But the problem was they couldn't get to the top of the mountain. But every time it was thunder light, I would climb, I would climb higher and higher and higher. Finally, I made it to the top of the mountain, and I... And I got up on the top of the mountain, and I could see clearly after I got to the top of the mountain, because when I got on the top of the mountain, there was a platform, man, it was an altar. And on that altar was a Bible. And that Bible was uh, uh, was open. And God spoke to me, even he spoke to the man of God in the Bible. God told me to read it from Genesis to Revelation. He told me to eat the whole book. And he told me that he wanted me to take that book. I asked God, I said, God, who are these people that are trying to climb the mountain? Why they could not make it? He said, that's why I called you up, that I might anoint you to help them make it up the mountain. So, so, so God called me, and he anointed me that I might be able to preach the gospel. And God said, these are my people. He said, they want me. They're trying to get here, but they're having problems getting here. And I, and, and I called you to help them. So it's a blessing to be able to be called by God to help somebody. We have been called, got a job on our hands. Our job is to make sure that we preach salvation. And preach it to the fullest. They preach it the way the Bible said it is, and not the way that we heard. Because God got people out there. The Bible said the weaker vessel. God got people out there that love the Lord and they want to come to God and they trying to get to God, but they got hindrance. They got things in their lives. They got hangups in their lives. And you preaching on their hangups. You preaching on their habit. God never told us to preach on nobody hangups and preach on nobody habit. All you got to do is give them the word of God. Let them know that Jesus saves and sanctifies. Holy Ghost feel and vow baptized. You give them Jesus and let God and let God. We want we want to scale the fish after we catch the fish, and that ain't our job. It is not our job to scale nobody. 
It's God's job to sanctification. Sanctification belongs to God. We anytime you start trying to sanctify somebody, you already done got got out you you're out of your lane now. You you messing with God God now. That's God's responsibility. All he told you to do is preach the gospel. All he told you to do is deliver the word. And now you to deliver the word about it so the word will not go out and come at voice, but it will accomplish what he sent it out to do. So what we try to do, we try to catch them and scale them and clean them and all that stuff. And, and we'll mess around and lose the fish. But 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 do your part and just preach salvation. So we're going to talk about true salvation tonight. I'm talking about true salvation. I ain't talking about something somebody heard. I ain't talking about grandma's salvation, grandpa's salvation. I ain't talking about no Buddha salvation. I ain't talking about Mary Magdalene, the mother of Jesus with the Sacred Heart salvation. I ain't talking about no Muhammad salvation. I'm talking about, I ain't no talking about no Catholic salvation, no deacon, or, 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 or no demonic salvation, but this salvation is true from God. We got all kind of teaching going on now. And everybody's trying to save people with their religion, save some people from, from what they feel like. But except it's the word of God, it will not save nobody. Not no Baptist, not no Catholic, not no seven day Adventist, uh huh, not no Easter star, uh huh, uh, not no more Mormon, the Latter day Saint. This is not what saved people. For the Bible says it's salvation through Christ Jesus. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is salvation through to God, through his son, Christ Jesus. Do you hear me again? God says through his son, Christ Jesus, he gives you everlasting life. He said, whosoever, that means God ain't going to make you get Jesus. He's not going to make you accept Jesus. That choice is up to you. You can get Jesus and be saved. Or you could not get Jesus and be lost. That choice is up there. He said, Who should never to believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Perish means die and go to hell. Perish means to be lost in your soul, spend eternity and in, 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 in judgment, burning in a lake of fire. That's what perish means. Or you could have everlasting life and live in heaven with God. Uh, you can be in heaven with God forever. Never, never, never to come back to earth no more. Now, that, that, I would think that a wise man would pick the first and tell, I'll pick the last and tell the third. I think a wise man would rather want to live forever and lie and turn alive than to perish in the lake of fire. And when you get in that fire, when, uh, and listen, when you get in that fire, there ain't no way out. You're going to be there forever and forever and forever. The scripture said that not only will you be burning in the lake of fire, You'll be gritting your teeth with, oh, you imagine stepping on a nail. You imagine putting your hand on a hot eye or on the stove and it's still hot. And I mean, it, it, it's just high heat. And you got your hand. It's no comparison to the pain that will be running in the body if you end up in hell. The Bible says skin worms will be crawling all out of your eyes and out of your mouth. They're going to be torching you off. Did you imagine skin worms crawling all out of your mouth and, and everywhere else in your body? Worms are crawling out. And you burn and brimstone and fire, rocks that are so hot that they melt like butter. You imagine see the lava coming out of a volcano? It ain't got nothing compared to this right here. And your soul is there forever. I'm trying to help somebody this evening. 
but your soul is there forever and ever, never to escape. Ain't going to be nobody praying. Listen, you better quit believing these lies that they've been telling you because that is not true. Uh, they got some kind of religion, and I won't have to call no names. They got certain religions saying that you got another arm in. Uh huh. If you got enough, another uh, arms in that uh, 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 a repentance in that that you, you could be forgiven uh, even in the grave. But let me say, if you know this, if you don't die with Jesus Christ in your life, you ain't gonna live it. If you didn't die with Jesus, you ain't gonna get up with Jesus. If, if you didn't die with being born again, how you gonna die lost and get up saved? You ain't gonna do it. Ain't nobody gonna be able to pray no repentance. And you ain't got no arm. Listen, how do you know, Pastor? Because of Jesus tells the story about the rich man. Listen, that rich man didn't make it because he won't save, and you ain't going to make it either if you're not saved. The Bible says he opened his eyes up in hell. He didn't say nothing about nobody gave no arms and gave, gave no penance for him and got him out. He was lost forever. The Bible says he would ask the Lord, let somebody go back and talk to his brother because he knew he was doomed. So when you, if you die for lost, there is no hope. There ain't no hope. Please don't let nobody trick you. There ain't no hope. Do not die without Jesus. Do not die without salvation. Do not die without being born again. Because if you do, you're going to be lost. Act 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in the others, for there is none of us under heaven. Given them a men whereby we must be saved. Now listen, not only did Jesus tell us that he would save us, but we must pray to God in the name of Jesus. See, we got it all mixed up. Our prayers aren't getting answered because we wonder why. And we pray to Jesus. You're not supposed to pray to Jesus. You're supposed to pray to God. Jesus never said in the word for us to pray to him. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I do. Now, people are getting all about God, and they're praying to Jesus. So I got this really, really, in the New Testament, I just pray to Jesus, and Jesus do this, and Jesus do that. And you ain't even getting your prayer answers. You can't override the word of God. You can't do it your way to expect God to hear your prayers. Jesus said, even people humbled himself when they tried to worship him. Jesus told him, listen, why well, call me good? Ain't me a good but the Father. And Jesus said, when you ask the Father, ask him in my name. You hear what I'm saying? God gave Jesus the power in attorney. You hear what I'm saying? Now, God is still God. He's still sitting on the throne. He made that claim. Paul made that claim that Jesus has authority over everything but the throne. Now, do you hear me? He has power over everything but the throne. And he's going to keep that power until that day he sits that day that he takes control of the world when he wraps to the church. And then he's going to give that power back to God. But until then, He's sitting on the right hand side of the Father now as our high shepherd, making intercessions for us. And when you pray to God, you pray in the name of Jesus. Because he's our access. He's the access number in order to, to get your prayer answered. When you pray in the name of Jesus, then God will answer your prayer because you have done it according to his word. Hear me again. When you pray, don't pray to God. And, and keep on and get up off your knees and go about your business, making your prayers going to be answered, and you just lock it in and fill it with an, in the name of Jesus. You've got to say, in the name of Jesus. Whatever you're asking for healing, you're asking for a breakthrough, you're asking for deliverance, you're asking about your marriage, you're asking about your children, you're asking about your health, you're asking about your finance. It doesn't matter what you're asking for. When you get through praying, say, in Jesus' name, I ask you this. And God
God will honor your prayer. Isn't that all right? I'm just trying to straighten up some matter here. You don't pray to no Buddha. You don't pray to Mary, mother of Jesus. Listen, y'all. The mother of Mary of Jesus is only, was no more than what we are today. She was just an instrument that God used to bring Jesus into the world. Yes, she's special. Her name is special, but her name is not to be worshipped. Her name not to be hung on your neck with no heart, and you worship her like though she's some God. She has no power, none at all. She ain't got no more power than the apostle got. She ain't got no more power than Peter got and John the Baptist got. She ain't got no more power than Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah because she's just an instrument that God used to bring Jesus unto the world, and that's it. So while you're worshiping her and thinking that you're going to get your prayers answered because you're praying to her, you ain't supposed to be praying to her because she's not a God. As I told you, she's just an instrument that God used. And you oh, I'm going to mess up somebody religion now. But I got to be true. I got to tell the truth. I'm trying to help somebody so you won't mess around and be standing for God alone because you thought Mary saved you. You thought Mary answered your prayers. You thought that you got your prayers answered because you called on the name of Mary. Jesus' mother. Understand she's special. Understand she's an important person. But all she was was an instrument, a challenge that God used to bring Jesus into the world. I'm going to leave that alone go a little bit further here. Acts 16 and 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved and thy house. Yes. Now we're back to Jesus. Now now you can believe on him. Understand? Because you can't pray in his name if you first believe in him. Believe on him. And God would say, husband, uh, wife, mama, dad, you want your children saved? You get saved. You go out here trying to get this with your children, drop them off at Sunday school, and you're going to go to the club, or drop them off at Sunday school, and you're going to go to the juke joint, drop them off at, the school, uh, at Sunday school, and you're going to go to the liquor house. You need to get in that. You need to go to Sunday school. And you need to get out of that car and go into Sunday school, too. With your children. The Bible says, train them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart. Now, how you would that, that training mean by example? It does not mean by, I've heard people tell us a long time ago, you do what I tell you to do, but don't do like I do. Well, did they not know that what they did affect them? What you do is, listen, parents, what you do is the eyes of your children. Your eyes see what that your children see what you do, and you become their eyes. Because they're going to be shaped and shaped and shifted about who you are. And you can say all you want to, preaching them the gospel and taking them to church and dropping them all on Sunday school and you get at home and cuss and, and fight for one another and got, got the refrigerator full of beer, wine, liquor, and everything else. And you tell them not to drink no beer, not to drink no wine, not to smoke no food, don't smoke no beer. You're on the back porch smoking all the marijuana you can smoke. And you're trying to be an example. To be an example is to do what the Word says. If you want them to live right, if you want them to walk like Christ, then you walk like Christ. You be an example. I never heard my mother curse. Not one day have I ever heard my mama curse. My mama told us one day, if you don't hear me cursing, don't you be cursing. I had a wonderful mama, a beautiful mama, and she set example. When my dad died, I was about 14 years old. My mama had 10 children to raise. And you know what? My mama didn't let no men come running in the house there. And the, the, the help of time was hard back then. And my mama had no money. My mama had no money. Then my mama went to social service in order to, to get some help. And social service, you know, having 10 children and that your dad had a social security, uh, uh, that she would get a right, nice 
and took the sugar cube money out of it. He didn't turn it in. See, my mom, he and I got to raise 10 children. My mama said, the man took the money out of his check. I know he did. And she said, ma'am, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm not saying he didn't say, but he did send it down here. So now here that my mama can get no substance. She got to struggle the tears. And I seen tears in her eyes, and I seen her struggling. But my mama didn't open up no door and let no man come in the house in order to satisfy her needs. My mama stayed saved. My mama kept the faith. My mama was a virtuous woman. My mama let God, and my mama was a praying woman. And as she prayed, God met her needs. It was so bad, I took family members to ask my mama, why don't you divide the children up and get them away? And we'll send you to college, and you'll get a degree. But my mama loved us so much. Now, I was a sick one. I was born sick. I was born with a bad, a low immune system. And mama kept me at the hospital. She kept taking me to the hospital. The doctor told her one day, it may need to bring him back. and ain't nothing we could do about it. I kept a cold 24 hours a day. I was stopped up like I had pneumonia, like I had a flu, like I had bronchitis. I could not breathe. I was tortured at night. I suffered at night. I struggled to breathe. It was breath. I took the breeze, so that's why I'm so thankful now. That's why I'm so grateful now that I can breathe. I struggled every moment just to get my breath because I could not breathe because my lungs and my and, and, and everything was stopped up with steam and, and cold and flu. Come my immune system was so low. But my mama didn't give me away. She wouldn't. She could have died us up. She could have went to college. She could have had a living and let somebody put us in a foster home. But she loved God and she loved us so much. That she didn't give us away, and she told them, no, that's okay, I'm going to raise my children. I thank God for God for her mother, a mama that was saved, a mama that knows Jesus. Honey, when you know Jesus, it makes all the difference. Mama, when you know Jesus, your children will get to know Jesus. Daddy, when you know Jesus, sooner or later, your, 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 your son will get to know Jesus. But how can they know Jesus if Jesus don't first start in you? So I want to get this thing straightened up about salvation, that you might know that salvation only comes through Christ Jesus. So he said, no, it comes any other way. If you get saved any other way, with all these different names that folks call themselves getting saved under, if you get saved any other way than in the name of Jesus, he said you were like a thief and a robber. It's like you coming up uh, on the backside. You're coming up the wrong way. You're coming through the wrong door. For there is no salvation in no other but Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 1 and 9, who has saved us and called us in a holy calling. Not according to our work, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now listen, this salvation does not only this salvation does not only save us, but this salvation sanctify us. This salvation cleanse us. And this salvation consecrate us. Look what the writer said. Uh, he said, But according to his own purpose. He said, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? And people talking about they've been saved and they've been born again and still doing the same thing they were doing 10 years ago. When Jesus called you, baby, with salvation, he called you with a holy calling. You are holy now. Old things pass away. The whole, all things become new. You have been given a new nature. You're not like that hog that, that washed it real good and put a suit on him, and then he went back to the mud. So the hog didn't know no better because that was the nature of the hog to go back to the mud. I don't fault the hog. I fault them for not knowing no better that the hog didn't know no better. The hog did what he only knew, and that was a plate in the mud. 
It changed the hog. They gave him a new suit, but it didn't change the nature. If your nature don't change, you ain't saved. If you've been in the hog, if you say you've been born again, and your nature has not changed, then you is not saved. Your nature must change. No? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because when you, before you get saved, you got the nature of Adam. Adam sits in the garden. And when Adam sits in the garden, the, uh, the, uh, 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 the, uh, the nature came in, uh, this, a demonic nature came in him. See, that tree had evil in it. The Bible said it was a tree of knowledge and good and evil. But see, Adam and Eve didn't realize what they did. They couldn't see it. They didn't see it happen, but it happened. It's just like the wind outside. If it's blowing wind, it's blowing outside. There's a wind today and you got the door closed. You can't see the wind. You can't see the wind. But if you open up the door, you still can't see the wind, but the wind's going to blow all the paper off the dresser and all off the, all the table. And wherever you got paper is, 60 miles an hour wind going to blow stuff around in the house. You can't see the wind, but the wind is still the wind. And just like the wind, spirits are. They are invisible. And when Adam and Eve took up that tree, when Eve took up and gave it to Adam, they unlocked wickedness. They unlocked evil. Remember now, the sister said it was a tree of knowledge and good and evil. Whenever they unlocked, when they did that fruit, that forbidden fruit, they unlocked demonic forces. They unlocked the adultery. They unlocked the fornication. They unlocked the lasciviousness. Uh, they unlocked the sexual immorality. They unlocked the lust. They unlocked the murder. And, and, and I could keep going on. They unlocked all these demonic forces that was not unlocked. They were locked up inside the tree. But 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 when they disobeyed God, and they unlocked these spirits, these spirits went out in all the world. They got in the men. They got in the women. They got in them in such a way as that God said that I hate our name man. God said it grieved me. It hate our name man. That's what happens when you sin. Spirit goes out. Oh, somebody ought to listen to me. When you sin, spirit goes out. It goes out. You open up a door when you sin, and spirit goes out. And they get in others, and they get in you. They get in your life circumstance. They get in your health. They get in your lifestyle. They get in your children. These spirits that goes out. Salvation comes to give you a new nature, a new spirit. Old things pass away. The whole old thing become new. Listen, it, it causes you to stop cussing. It's called you to stop obeying the lusts of the flesh. It gives you a new mindset. It gives you a new to give your power beyond your wildest dreams. It takes away your desire to sin. For for first John said, we don't sin no more. It didn't say we don't make no mistakes no more. What he means a lifestyle. If you still live in a lifestyle of sin and you say you've been born again, you need to go back and get saved again. If you still live in that same lifestyle you were living before you got saved, you need to go back and this time you need to get saved in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Jerry or Jerry or Jericho. You need to get saved in the name of Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. He the one saved me. He the one saved you. You need to get saved in the name of Jesus. And when you call on the name of Jesus, he'll save you. And he will give you a new nature. He'll take away the dynamic nature. And he'll give you that Christ-like nature. The old thing to pass away. And behold, you become new. This salvation that God gives helps you to live right. See, the law says not to commit adultery. The law says not to commit fornication. 
The law said don't cut. The law says not lie. So listen to this. The law said that, and then when you did it, it condemned you and killed you. That's what the law did. So there was no power in the law. It, it told you not to do something and did not help you not to do it. Hear me? The law told you not to do it, didn't help you not to do it, and then turn around and punish you when you did it. That's what the law did. That's why God had to do away with the law. Because the law had no power in itself to make you live right. Just like a stop sign at the end of the highway. A stop sign ain't got no power to make you stop. If the law had power, it's the law you, it ain't the stop sign you stop for. It was the law behind that stop sign saying if you don't stop, you're going to go to jail and might lose your license. That's why you stop. You didn't stop because the stop sign said STOP and it's red. You stopped because there was a law behind that stop sign. So it is. The law said don't do it. And if you way out in the country, you way out of 20 miles, 30 miles, ain't no city, ain't no, no houses nowhere, ain't no police nowhere, you have a right not to stop. But you're wrong. You may not stop, but you still go to stop. Because the stop sign said the same thing, 50 miles in the country, instead of the city, it says stop, and there's a law behind it that says you should stop for the safety of others. That's why you're stopping. You're stopping for the safety of others. But listen, look what grace did. Now, God saw what the law could not do. I like this scripture. But it said God saw what the law could not do. And in that, he gave his son, Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. For, what law, for what the law could not do, in Christ Jesus, he did do. So let's talk about what he did do, apostle. The law said not to do it, didn't help you do it, and condemn you when you did it. What grace said not to do it, I help you. To do it. You hear me? The grace said I not to do it. Then grace said I help you not to do it. Then I help you to do it. Grace said not to do it. Then he said, I help you not to do wrong. And then he turned around and said, I help you do right. The law didn't do that. The law has no help at all. But grace is not only gonna help you and tell you not what to do, but grace is gonna turn around and help you to do what God says and not do the wrong thing. Thank God for grace. That's what grace does. Grace makes a difference. But grace does what the law could not do. Only the thing the law could do was condemn. But what grace comes to do is deliver. It comes to give you the power and the ability to walk according to the word of God. Not only did God tell you not to do these things, but he said, I will help you not commit adultery. I help you not commit fornication. I help you not to curse. I help you not to lie. I help you not to... to your life with lasciviousness and alcohol and drugs. I will help you. All you got to do is call on my name. Call on my on my name in the name of my son Jesus. Call on my name. Help me, God. Help me not to commit a Help me not to lie. Help me not to steal in the name of Jesus. Oh, my, my. You're getting good now. Psalm 62 and 1. To the chief physician to Judah, a song of David. Truly my soul waited upon God, from him coming my salvation. How many know that I said salvation not only it does not only come to save you, it comes to, to meet your needs. It comes to help you. It comes to bring you out of your struggle. It comes to help you in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your circumstances. David said, Come at my salvation. It will deliver you. It will set you free. It'll pick you up from a bow down state. Oh yes it will. It, 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 it will it will take the solve the problems that is in your life. It will set things in order. That's what salvation.
What is that job? When you get burned out, you get you need clothes, you need food, what do they do? They come to your rescue to help you in the master. But this salvation, it comes to help you in the spiritual. Just like the just like salvation, the salvation army come to meet your need naturally, help you get in a home, put you up in the motel, give you food to eat, give you a a boxer, a box batcher, whatever the thing. They give you the help you out a little while while you're trying to get back on your feet. They help you in the motel place to stay until you can get the insurance or pay your home off so you can remodel or whatever. But the salvation army helps you in the natural. So the salvation in the spiritual. If salvation in natural helps you, how much more the salvation in the spirit? Salvation helps you. Salvation is to help. It comes to help you. It comes to make your life better. Not bitter, but better. Acts 2 and 21, and it shall come to pass. But who's enough to call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't be saved, that you can't be born again. Now, remember I said, this saved not only just to be saved and be born again and be saved, but it keeps saving you. It, it saves you from from the bad life you done got yourself into. It saves you from the mess you got into. See, I had got into a mess whenever uh, before I got saved. I was in prison, facing a hundred years in prison. I had got into a mess. The judge, the judge, when he could have set me loose, he, God didn't allow him to turn loose because God wanted to get my attention. And the judge gave me three, uh, one day a sentence that the judge gave me a sentence that somebody said he ain't never heard before. The judge, the judge, the judge gave me one day to three years sentence. One day, what do you mean one day to three years, Apostle? Oh, I can get out of, I can get out of after one day, or I can stay in another three years. All depending on my character, my action, my behavior. I could cut up and act crazy and end up spending in three years, or I can get out one day. But I end up spending uh, 14 months after that one day because God wants to get my attention. God just wants to get my attention. You hear what I'm saying? And my life was messed up. So when salvation, I had nothing. I didn't have nothing. You hear what I say? I, was, I didn't even have a name. You hear me? In prison, they don't even call you a name. You don't even have a name in prison. You're a number. They call you a number. When they wake you up at night and wake you up in the morning for breakfast, they call you a number, not a name. I had lost everything I had. I had lost my reputation. I had lost my family. I had lost my friends. Huh? And that was in 1977. I got saved in 1979. I come out of that prison in 1979. And since, I, since salvation came in my life, God saved me that day. In 1979, with nothing, not a penny in my pocket, I was broke. He saved me broke. Uh, God saved me right there in that prison. And that salvation not only saved my soul, but it began to save my life. He brought me out of there, and it wasn't long after I got out in, 19, in 1981. God, I was saved me. In 1981, he gave me a beautiful wife. Yes, he did. And I've been married to now over 42 years. Uh, here, here, I just come out of prison. This woman married a man come out of prison, a man that wants nothing, didn't have nothing. I didn't even have money to pay for the wedding. Didn't even have money to buy her a ring. But salvation did this. She married me and loved me and believed in me, even though others cast me down and, and, and looked it over me and disrespected me and looked at my mistakes rather than looking at the salvation that was in my life. Then it did in 82, he called me to the ministry. On, 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 on July on July the 4th, in 1982, he called me to the ministry. Since then, he had blessed me greatly. He, he, he called me to teach. He called me to 
prophesied. He called me the evangelist. And I evangelized in and out of the state, in and out of the country, pastors and churches here and there. 19 years in one church. And here I am now here going on 18 years in the church that I founded, the Burning Book Church. But I want you to know God has truly blessed me. He has blessed me abundantly. He has blessed me with 22 grandchildren, four beautiful children, three girls and a boy. God took me for nothing. Do you see what salvation will do? Took me for nothing. The devil said I won't be nothing. You know that song they got out now? They said you won't be nothing. You won't go amount to anything. Guess what they said? I won't be nothing. I won't be mouthing anything. They accused me of being like my uncle. I had an uncle that stayed in prison all the time in jail. They said, you're going to be just like your uncle. You're not going to be no good. All you're going to do is spend the rest of your life in prison. But salvation made that a lie. I want you to know that salvation will change things. All you got to do is get God in your life. Don't worry about what people say. Don't look at what people say. Don't let people dictate your life. That's what they said about me. That is what God said. And God took me out of prison and gave me his best. He put me in a phenomenal church. It was one of the mother churches of the, of the, of the conference that we were in. And, and, and what, not only did he put me there, it was a mother church. It was a church that no young man had never pastored before because no, they, didn't never, they would never allow a young man to pastor. They were almost elderly. But God put me there in spite of what they want. Honey, salvation will, will, will make all the difference. Salvation will put you places that you never thought you would go. Salvation will create in you things you never thought would be created. Salvation will do for you what a salvation army cannot do. So the salvation army is limited. It can only help you for just a little while. Huh? But this salvation will keep on helping you over and over again. First Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor dollars, nor dollars, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revival, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now I come to help somebody who has been badly misled. Excuse me, I thank you, got salvation. Thank you, Savior. You feel fornicating just as fat as hard as you can. You feel commit you feel a, a dollar, sir. You worship an idol and you've been doing it. You've been doing it for a long time and call yourself being saved. You can't serve an idol. You can't walk in salvation and serve an idol too. An idol, an idol, something that you're making your God. Cause that's called an idolater. You, you then, then, then you got the adulterer, one who's just running around everybody else's husband, everybody else's wife, and call yourself being born again. No, sweetheart, you need to check your salvation. Nor effeminate. Other words, two men loving two men and two women loving two women. And you say you say you've been born again. I don't mean to I don't mean to uh, to, to disturb uh, 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 your uh, uh, your belief, but but you need to go back to the altar again. If you go and and and, and ask God to help you to, to turn that man loose and turn that woman loose. It, it is a sin. It is an abomination for for it to be a sin. It is an abomination for two men to love one another and two women to love another. It's a sin. Huh? Some people, you know, you ask them is it a sin, and they get going to well this and. And according to their rights, and the listen, let me say this as bluntly as I can say it. It is a sin. It is an abomination. It is wrong for two men to love one another and marry one another and two women to love one another and marry one another. Now, listen to this. If God allowed two men and women now to call the president and the governor and, 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 and the judicial system and the legislator and the Congress a passage that they can get married, and God allowed that to be, 
And God got to go all the way back to Solomon and Gomorrah, and he got to give all those people he killed that day and say he was sorry that he killed them and apologized to them. And how many know that God ain't going to do that? Because God ain't no lying God. God said it will be in the last day as it was in the days of Solomon and Gomorrah. Men to be loving men, women to be loving women, giving into a natural affection, burning in the flesh one to another, man loving a man and a woman loving a woman, and it is abomination. It is wrong. And you cannot be saved and walk in Detroit, a bruiser, a bruiser. You call yourself saved and, and, and bruising your wife and bruising your husband and bruising your children. And you, you just mean, you just devil, devilish, choking her and beating her down and, and, and breaking her arm and hurting her. And you get crippling her uh, because you were mean and a bruiser. You ain't no salvation in you. You need to get saved. A bruiser of themselves and with and with mankind. You hear me? You can't be saved and 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 be trait. A thief stealing all the time. Cullion. All we want something alone to somebody else. Somebody else's husband, somebody else's wife. Salvation will change you from this. You can't say you say you can't say you've been born again and you're walking in these things. Uh, a drunkard. Oh my God, salvation come to deliver you. Drinking more liquor than to make any good in the store. And claiming yourself to be born again. A reviler calling almost trouble. Disturbing, causing, calling confusing. A uh, 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 staring up stuff. Breaking up quiet. Breaking up the church. And extorting them. Uh huh. All in the, in the people's business. All in the, in, in the welfare of the church. That, in, in trouble. There ain't no people causing you. You're calling it uh, extortion. Calling destruction. And what the writer said. You shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot have salvation. You're not going to heaven. Huh? You're not going to get the Holy Ghost that way. Because the Bible says, they said, Lord, when will the kingdom come? He said, he's already here. When Jesus Christ came, he brought the kingdom with him. Do you hear me? Romans 10 and 10. Oh, I'm going to leave that alone. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart, man, believers the righteousness, and with the mouth, confession, it made unto salvation. Do you hear what I'm saying? You got the first believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and that he was raised from the dead, that he was born by the virgin Mary, suffered on opponent, Pilate, crucified and dead. On the third day he rose from the dead and put a victory over the grave, death, and hell. And he gone back to the Father and sitting on the right hand side of God. God said, You believe that in your heart, confess that with your mouth, you shall be saved. And your confession will bring salvation in your life. Your salvation, your confession will bring a change in you. Titus two eleven and twelve. For the grace of God has bring, that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that the nine listen, teaching us that the nine ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You can't say you saved and still live in the same way. Still cussing and lying and cheating and going to the club and trying to run around with everybody, husband and wife, trying to live ungodly, doing all kinds of ungodly things in the bedroom and in the dark. No, no, no. This salvation teaches us to live holy. Oh, Baba This salvation teaches us to live holy. Denying ungodliness. When salvation comes, you'll start denying ungodliness. And worldly lusty. Because you know the world is full of all kinds of lusty. 
This salvation makes you deny this. You don't even want to do it because your nature not the same no more. If that hog can have a different nature, that hog would appreciate that too, and he went to church that Sunday, and he wouldn't went back to the mud because his nature been changed. When your nature changed, you change. When God changed your nature, you, you don't walk around in college no more. You don't walk around in world and lust no more. It teaches us to live soberly, not drunk, soberly, godly in this present world. Because when you live sober and godly and walk above these things that I miss it, then people will see your life and they'll come running and ask, what must I do to save? Because they want the whole debt that you got. Luke 13 and 10. For the Son of Man to come to seek and to save, that we lost. Oh, Jesus came. Listen, Jesus came to save the law. He didn't come to save, save the saved. That's why we can't get nobody saved. So we always hang around the church with saved folks. We always have a service with saved folks. We always have a seminar with saved folks. We always have a Bible with saved folks. Saved folks don't need to be saved. Saved folks need to get out of the church so the, so the unsaved can come there and get saved. Read this unsaved can't get saved and we sit in their seat. The church was not made for saints. The church was made for sinners. So we need to get up so the sinners can come in that seat and get that seat that they're going to be sitting in and be saved. Jesus said, I came not for the law, but for the, for the righteous, but to bring sinners to repentance. Now, if Jesus came to bring sinners to repentance, I think that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be going out of the highways, byways, and hedges and preaching to them that they might be saying, don't be looking at them all funny turning our nose all up there, making them feel bad. We need to be witnesses to them. Let them know that Jesus saved Jesus saved you in your hellishness, in your mess, in your mess of life, is the same Jesus that saved them. God ain't got no respect but person. You were messed up when God saved you. Ask Paul about it. Paul said he was the chief amongst them, but God saved him, and it is what it is. And it is what it is with you, too. God had to save you. You were messed up. But, oh, God saved you. Did he save you? So give somebody else a chance. Quit judging people. Saying God saved you? God can't save her because she's a mess. You was a mess, too. You just didn't know her. Titus, Luke 19, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, that his son men shall flatten, but is long-suffering toward upward, not willing that any children should. But all should come to repent. Now, this verse here, I want to talk with, with, with emphasis. I want to with clarity. This verse is saying, don't you be deceived because God ain't punished you, because God ain't done nothing about this sinful life you live in, because God ain't judged you in the mess you've been walking in. Prophecy said this, and the pastor said this, and your mama said this, and everyone said this, and it ain't nothing happened to you, but you think because it ain't happened. Listen, baby, God's slackness is his mercy. It said the Lord is not slack concerning him, but God ain't no lying God. If God said it, you're going to be the past. And listen, if God said that you, if you die in your sin, your soul will be lost, your soul is going to be lost. If God said if you don't make Jesus the Lord and say in your life, you're going to be lost, you is going to be lost. God is not slack concerning his promise. Whatever God promised you, he ain't slack. He's just patient. He's on suffering. He said he's going to suffer towards us, but that means everybody. God, is, God don't want nobody lost. God don't want nobody lost. He's going to suffer towards upward, not willing that any should perish. Listen, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone on the side of my voice that is saved and ain't saved. God wants you saved. God does not want you to go to hell. 
God did not want you to perish. God did not want you to be lost. God did not make hell for you. When God made hell, you won't even hear. God made hell for the devil and his angels, not for you. But if you don't get right, if you don't live right, if you don't be converted, if you don't make Jesus the Lord and save of your life, then in hell will be your home. You're going to go to a place that you wouldn't be welcome. Go to a place that God didn't even make for you. I'm telling you the scripture says, God do not want you lost. Why would you want to go somewhere you ain't been invited? Why do you want to die in your city and be lost if God wants you to live right and go to heaven? Oh, this is getting good to me. Luke 18 and 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought it was a hard thing for God to say to me. Yes, it did. I thought I had a mess up so much. The devil didn't lie to me. He told me I had messed up so much. God couldn't even save me. But I want you to know it's possible. I don't care how messed up you have. I don't care what you done done. It is not impossible for God to save you. You might even say, well, Master, I gave my life to the devil. I sold my soul to the devil, and I know I'm lost. But well, let me come by and tell you the devil's going to lie to you, baby, because the devil can't buy something ain't his. How you going to sell something to the devil ain't, ain't yours to sell? You can't sell your soul to the devil. That's where the devil got you tricked at. I know a lot of people, friends, different ones that talk to me. I know a lot of people who are, were caught up in that and thought they were lost, but they found out the truth, and now they're free and they're preaching the truth. They know now that the devil can't buy something. You can't go take somebody else's car and sell it to somebody else or somebody else's house and sell it to somebody else. That ain't yours as hell. The Bible says all souls are mine. Now, if your soul were yours, yes, you could sell it to the devil. But your soul ain't yours. Your soul belongs to God. He said all souls are mine. So the soul that sin shall die. So I encourage you, you can get free from that bond you made with the devil. You can come free from that vow you made with the devil. You hear what I'm saying? And God ain't going to let the devil kill you when you come free because his grace is waiting for you right now. Oh, I like that. Mark 16 and 16. He that believe and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believe not shall be damned. Oh, this is going to be one of my last scriptures now. I want you to get this here, what, what it says. Mark 16 and 16 says, he that believe is baptized shall be saved. So when we get, see, when we get saved, we get baptized in water. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost and representing of his death, buried, and resurrection. He said, but he that believeth not shall be damned. If you don't believe, listen, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and get saved, God don't need to judge you. You're already damned. When you die, close your eyes, the undertaker close your eyes, or wherever you at, when death comes to your house, you already damned. God ain't got to even judge you at the day of judgment because you're going to damn your own self. If you have not been born again, and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, the scripture said, right now what I talk to you, you are damned. You are lost. It don't mean you can't be saved, but you got to believe on Jesus to get saved. You need to do it while the blood still warm, warm in your veins. Let this virgin listen. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go therein. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, with leading into life, and through that be that find it. Do you hear what that last part said? It says, through that be that find it. Let me explain what that means. The Bible said in the old world, in the day of the flood, there were millions of people in the world, and only eight people got saved. Only eight got saved. You hear what I'm saying? It may look like a lot of people getting saved. But of course, all the people that did it all, it's just a little spot. It's just a little dot. 
And the Bible said, I was Solomon and Gomorrah. There have been people in Solomon and Gomorrah and all the surrounding cities, thousands and thousands of people. So how many got saved? Only three. Oh, y'all heard the story about uh, 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 about the bride and the bridegroom and, 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 the, and the women waiting to be going to meet the bride, the virgin, Bible-wise, Bible-fooling. And when they got back, though, they had no oil. The door was shut. Don't let the door shut on you. I encourage you. Make Jesus Lord and Savior your life. I gave enough of shit to save the world tonight, and I got some more. But I ain't gonna, I'm going to try to quote them. I'm going to bring it on in. Don't get caught up in the wide gate, in the crowd. Oh, everybody everybody want to get on, that, on the road with the crowd. Oh, yeah, everybody want to get with the crowd. They don't want to go get with the church. They talk about the church. Talk about them two folks going into church. But them folks going to church going to heaven. That crowd going to hell. At the end of that road where that crowd is, it's in judgment, it's destruction, and eternal damnation. Straight in the gate. Straight, it's straight. Uh, a few there be that signing. Just, just like they want only a few in the flood, and a few in Solomon and Gomorrah. Uh, just like they want to go to a few with, with the bride. In these last days, the Bible says there's going to be a great falling away, and only a few people are getting saved. I encourage you, make Jesus Lord and Savior your life. Do it now while the blood is running warm in your vein. Amen, Apostle. God bless you. Apostle, will you pray for those who may not know the plan of salvation so that they can have God to come in their life? Yes, we will. Precious Father, as she just said, there are those that don't know the plan of salvation. They've been taught this. They've been taught that. Someone trying to follow religion that mama been in all her life, follow religion that daddy been in, grandma in, and somebody else told them about God. And we don't come to condemn the religion, but we come that you would open up their eyes, God, that they might see the plan of salvation through Christ Jesus, that they might know that only through your son, only through the shedding of his blood for them, is salvation coming into their life. No other salvation, no other way, no other method, Lord. Only through the shedding of your son, Christ Jesus, that they might accept him, Lord, that he might wash them clean from their sins that he might give them a new nature, God, that he might give them that new name, God, a name that, that, that nobody else can give them, oh, God. For the Bible said our name is written in the Lamb Book of Life, that their name might be written in the book, God, that their sins might be forgiven, that their soul might be saved, that redemption might come into their life. Do it for them, oh, Lord. Move the blindness out of their eyes. Move the blindness out of their way, God. All the hills out of their way. Everywhere saved is trying to... Keep them blind so they cannot see. Move the blindness out of the way, God, and save them, Lord. Save them in the name of the Father. Save them in the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Ghost, do it, God. Bring clarity unto them that they might be saved and not be lost, and that the glory and the honor and the praise might be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Do you have any final remarks you'd like to say? Yes. To God be the glory. Uh Salvation is, a, is the most important thing that a person could do in these days, and Satan don't want no one saved. Folks don't want to come up and get saved anymore. You hardly ever hear people getting saved anymore because it doesn't seem like it's an important thing. It doesn't seem like it's something important that somebody wants to do. And Satan is telling them, listen, the greatest lie that Satan is telling them is 
Yes, it's okay for you to get saved, but don't do it now. You've got time to get saved. You're young. You've got plenty of time. But this is why he causes so many souls to be lost, because he used a procrastination. He got them procrastinating, thinking that, yes, see, now he used to tell them not to get saved, but now he tells them, yes, go ahead and get saved, but don't do it now, hoping that they die in their sin and their soul be lost. But I encourage you not to do not put off for tomorrow what you can do today. For the Bible said, in the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. In the day, in the day of provocation, that's what they did in the wilderness. That's what, the, that's what the Israelites did in the wilderness. They, they hardened their heart. And the Bible said some 70,000 died in one day because they committed fornication. Because after they left out of Egypt, they went out in the wilderness. And when Moses went into the mountain, they made them a god. And they worshipped that god. And they committed fornication and adulteryness, lasciviousness. And that- and destroyed them in the wilderness. Let's not be hard-headed as they would. That happened for our example, that we might not fall into the same thing. So I pray that you will let God save you by the blood running warm in your veins. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And I like that Jesus' name. I'm serious about that. Please make sure when when you get to the prayer, you say in Jesus' name. When you do that, it locks everything in, and it gives God the right then uh, to, to, to work it out for you. Well, you know, before you hang up, i got to ask the question, how does it lock it in, or what do you mean by lock it in? It, it, then, then you can't help but answer your prayer because you've done it the way he told you to do it. And, and now he has to honor that prayer. But you use his son. His son is, a, is, is, is like the combination. He's the access to the answer of your prayer. And when you said in Jesus' name, oh, my, he's on now. Oh, God got it, y'all. He's going to fix it. He said, let every man be a liar, let God be the truth. He said, whatever you ask in my name, he said, God, listen. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, God going to do it. So when you say in the name of Jesus, it's done because Jesus done said it was done. Oh. Yes, Hallelujah. Uh-oh, you stand it up. We were man. You need to stop now. Hallelujah. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Oh,
Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.